Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Reverend Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the book of the prophet Habakkuk, chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. For those of you following along in your Bibles, Habakkuk is the fifth from the last book in the Old Testament. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. O oh God, tell us what we need to hear. Guide us by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Habakkuk 3, verse 17. Though the fig tree does not blossom, and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the olive fails, and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold, and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for his word. Here we are on this fifth Sunday of Lent. And we are following Jesus to the cross. We're following Jesus to his glorious resurrection. And we're doing this despite these great and troubling times in which we find ourselves. The challenges that we're facing defy description. Some people call it unparalleled, unprecedented. This pandemic is bringing massive changes to all areas of our world and our nation and our lives. And we don't fully know what life will be like when this is all over. The virus, we're being told, has spread to almost every country in the world. And right now, there are over 500,000 confirmed cases worldwide. But I want to remind you of something. If we go back in history, you will discover that we're not the first generation, nor will we be the last generation to experience pandemics and viruses and disasters. Whether it is the Antonine Plague of 165 AD or the flu pandemic of 1918, where an estimated 50 million people died, the human race has witnessed its share of troubles. Now, why is it important to have a historical perspective on these disasters? Because our ancestors before us endured hardships but they rediscovered life on the other side of their disasters. And I find that to be very encouraging 
and to be a word of hope. I want you, though, this morning to go back with me to the 7th century BC, to the city of Jerusalem, and I want to introduce you, or in some cases reintroduce you, to this prophet by the name of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is called the lonely prophet. He's lonely because nowhere else is he mentioned in the Bible except in the book that bears his name. He proclaimed God's word under King Josiah and King Jehoiakim. He watched his nation lose God's blessing, the blessing of prosperity and justice and peace and order and faith. And when Josiah died, Josiah's successor, King Jehoiakim, did not continue Josiah's legacy. Jehoiakim's administration was evil, and during his reign, the people of God saw great corruption on every level. There was injustice, there was war, there was poverty, there was this breach of faith and infidelity and a rampant sense of idol worship among the people. Things came to a head in 587 BC when the mighty Babylonian Empire invaded Judah and decimated their country. Many people lost their lives in this invasion. Many homes were uprooted, many lives were scattered. And the glorious temple that was built by Solomon in Jerusalem was burnt to the ground. What was the prophet's response to all of this? Well, Habakkuk couldn't understand how this supposedly good God would allow such disaster to come upon his people. We have to remember that Habakkuk is human. And like so many people, he questioned God, he grew angry with God, he cried, he suffered, he struggled, he argued, he complained, and he wished that his pandemic would end. Now, when you read this short book, and I hope you will read it, it's only three chapters. When you read it, you will encounter what I call the two Habakkuk questions, the question of why and the question of how long. And today in America and around the world, people continue to ask those same tough Habakkuk questions. And the reality is there are no easy answers to those questions. People are asking God, why? Why are you allowing this coronavirus pandemic? And people are asking God, how long, Lord? How long and well, when will this end? And in the course of time, God answered the prophet's prayers and lamentations and I believe that in the course of time, God will answer your prayers, so keep on praying. So I want to talk to you about the choice that you have. And if the word choice sounds familiar to you, it is because we've been talking about it the last three weeks. On March 15th, we looked at Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 8, sleeping in a boat, massive storm erupted, and the disciples were convinced that they're now going to lose their lives, and they wake Jesus up, and Jesus challenged them. Are you going to live by faith, or are you going to live in fear? Last Sunday, we heard the words of the prophet Isaiah from Isaiah chapter 40, and he challenged the people of his day to make a choice. Are they going to wait on God, or are they going to feverishly, feverishly run ahead of God? And now today, Habakkuk asks us, as the people of God, to also make a choice. Are we going to choose to rejoice, or are we going to live in negativity and with a sense of doom and gloom? Now, here's why it matters that we choose rightly. 
when we exercise our ability to choose, it helps to shape our view of the world. And when we exercise our ability to choose, it helps us to shape our reaction to the world. You see, we cannot control what is happening around us, but we can choose how we respond to what's happening inside of us. And so I want to invite you this morning to choose joy. Choose Christian joy that is deeply rooted in the love of God. And the love of God lasts forever. I love the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 when he says at the very end of that beautiful chapter, only three things will remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. When you choose joy, you are choosing and abiding in the love of God. And the scriptures tell us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And that's what Habakkuk did. He stopped talking, he stopped pacing and panicking, and he started waiting on God. And as he waited on God, he received insight into God's plans. And so if you read the book, and I hope you read the book, and this is a spoiler alert, here is what you'll find out about God in these three short chapters in the book of Habakkuk. One of the things you're going to learn right off the bat is that we cannot put God in a box. What you're going to find out as you read the book is that the book has much to teach us about the ways of God, that God is in control. And yet this God will allow chaos to enter into our world and into our lives for reasons that are not always clear to us. When you read the book, you're going to learn that God indeed answers all prayers, that God cares, that God answers our prayers, but not always on our timetable. But God will always answer our prayers according to His will and according to His timetable. When you read the book of Habakkuk, you will discover that God's ways are higher than our ways. And while we see life in small frames, moment by moment, the prophet reminds us that God sees the end from the beginning. God sees the God sees the end of the the beginning of the coronavirus, and God sees the end of the coronavirus. That God has a plan. He has an eternal plan, and He reveals His plans to those who wait for His word. And so it was based on the character of God and what Habakkuk knew of God that Habakkuk made the choice that he would stand and he would choose to rejoice in the Lord. And this is exactly what he said. He said, I will rejoice in the Lord. Now, if you've read the whole book, you might be saying, how does the prophet move from such a state of despair and cynicism and doom and gloom to this place of joy? We would wonder, did he win the lottery? No. Is it possible that he got on the last chariot and found his way to the northern part of Israel to escape the war that was in the south? The answer is no. Well, did he take classes on the power of positive thinking and revved himself up to a frenzy of joy? And the answer again is no. I think the answer is that Habakkuk chose to walk by faith in God. You see, life is hard. And instead of giving up, he says, now that I know who God is, I will rejoice in God. And he begins to worship God. And so what we have in verses 17 through 19 is not some fatalistic resignation. Fatalism is the view that advocates powerlessness. We can't do anything. We're victims. We throw in the white towel 
and we say, I give up, because it doesn't matter what I do. It's predetermined. Habakkuk is not a fatalist because he chooses in the midst of all of his difficulties to believe in the invisible God instead of succumbing to his visible circumstances. Scripture calls that walking by faith and not by sight. So this is what he sees as the Babylonians are coming. He sees the coming economic collapse and ruin of his country. He sees the crash of the stock market of his day. He sees the 401ks of his day lose their value. He sees people's lives in turmoil. And amidst this tragic reality, one would expect the book to end with gloom and darkness, but it doesn't end that way. He says in verse 17, though the fig tree does not blossom. A more accurate translation though is, for that word though would be when. So it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Trouble is coming and when it comes, what are you going to do, Habakkuk? When trouble comes, what are you going to do, Christian? And so this is what Habakkuk says, when the fig tree does not blossom and when there is no fruit on the vine and when the produce of the olives fail and when the fields yield no food and when the flock is cut off from the fold and when there is no herd in the stalls and when your health is imperiled, and I'm adding words to it now, when you lose your job, when your health isn't what it should be, when you have to make tough decisions, when your marriage isn't working, when your kids have lost their way, and we could just keep adding whens, when your plans have failed, what will you do? And I think it's in those moments that we begin to discover the measure and the metal of our faith. It's when trouble comes. By the grace of God, Habakkuk says, when life turns in on me, when life turns against me, I know what I'm going to do. I am going to rejoice in the Lord. I am going to exalt in the God of my salvation. It's as if Habakkuk is saying, Lord, I'm going to run to you. I'm going to pull up a chair in your presence. I'm going to tell you all about my troubles. I'm going to run to you because you have the words of life. You have the words of tr truth. You are the source of hope. And so the source of Habakkuk's joy is that he rested in the goodness of God and he simply said, Lord, I'm going to trust in you. And so, yes, I'm one of those who believe that you never know, truly know yourself until you are in the throes of adversity. Adversity has a way of exposing us and showing us up and revealing the kind of foundation on which we're building our lives. Adversities have a way of, ex of exposing the reality that we cannot control our lives. We have so little control, but it also then leads us to the source or can lead us to the sources of real joy. Look at this quote on your screen. You will never need more that God cannot supply. And what God supplies will always be enough for the present. Now, if you can just wrap your mind and your heart around that truth, that is the source of joy. That is the source of contentment. That is the source of peace to know that God is with you. And so what I believe God is saying to us today it's as if God is saying to you, my child, you have so little power. These adversities are making you cranky and fretful 
and angry and discouraged and defeated, and it is no wonder why your joy is gone. And the Lord is saying to us, to you this morning, this is showing you how little control you have over your life, over your circumstances, and over other people. And so the Lord says, I want you to trust me with your days. And for many of us, the days are long now. And God says, trust me with your days. Since you cannot even control the next 24 hours of your life, please trust your life into my hand and let me lead you. Things are not going to be good for a while. The Lord is saying, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Trust me. Trust me. What does that look like today? What does it look like to turn one's life over to God? And one of the best ways I can think about it, I just want you to imagine if you have a wonderful, a nice car, a new car even, and you take the keys to your car and you take the deed to your car, and you decide to turn that over to someone else. You give it away. And when you give it away, you're saying, I no longer have control over that vehicle. I've given it away. I think that's a way of thinking about what it means to give your life over to God. You're giving the keys. You're giving the certificate, the deed to your life. And you're saying, Lord, I give it all to you. All that I am, I give it all to you. And it's when you do that, you're going to discover that God is more than enough. And that's where the joy comes from. No matter what is going on, that's what's happening. That's where joy comes from. And yes, you can rejoice. So what I'd like for you to do as I close, I want you to send me an email. If you're one of those, you're ready to take that step and say, Lord, I'm yours. I give you the keys to my life. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want you to let me know. Let our pastoral team know that you've done that so that we can begin to walk with you and encourage you and remind you that the Lord God that you and I serve, the God of Habakkuk, is still the same. And when you rejoice in the Lord, as Habakkuk says, he will strengthen you. He will plant your feet so that you will be as sure-footed as that goat, that mountain goat, that is going up the mountain and not slipping. God will establish you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's people say, Amen. And Amen. One of the things I also want to tell you is that this past week I received many inquiries from people in our church wanting to know how do I continue to give? What's the best way, Pastor Ray, to send in my gift? And of course, that was music to my ears. And you'll see on your screen right now some instructions as to how you can give. And I just want to thank everyone for their faithfulness. It just says to me that we have a bunch of folks at First Prayers who are locked in. They love God. They love their local congregation. And that's one of the ways you want to show your support is by giving to our congregation. So the instructions are on your screen. And if you also want additional instructions, you can email our business manager. You can call our business manager, manager, Melody Henry, and she will give you additional details that will help you to figure out how you can continue to support our church through your generous financial, financial giving. So with all of that, let's just pray together. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks now for your son, Jesus Christ, who is risen from the dead, 
reminding us that he is Lord over every problem, over every circumstance. He's Lord over the coronavirus. And Lord, even as we give our resources to you now, we pray that that will be a sign of the giving of ourselves to you, because that's what's even more important, that we give ourselves away to you, trusting you and receiving your joy and your strength. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and all of God's people say, Amen and Amen. <music>